And the second thing, integrity of heart means highest ethical and uh, moral standards. But at the same time, we already saw in life of David that uh, David was not a perfect man. A number of times he made mistakes, okay? Not only in the case of Bathsheba, but we also that when he counted people, at least three different occasions we saw that he went against the will of God. So how can he, God talk about him that he was a man with the integrity of heart? This is God saying this, that David was a man with the integrity of heart. You know what does that mean? I was thinking about that. And that, that, this is the meaning of that. There is a, there is a difference. Sometimes you, you set a high standard for yourself and you fall short of that high standard. And when you, that happens to you, God can see that. God understands that. And God look at you with compassion. Because God knows that you set a high standard, but you didn't meet it. But then there are people who set up very low standards or impure motives, selfish standards, and follow along that in a callous way. And God knows the difference between the two. That's why when man look at her on the outside, God look at her, our hearts. Because he sees our hearts and we see it. And there are people who, you know, and we know the cry of David. Every time that happened, they would go back into the, in the, into the presence of God and they would say, Lord, I didn't mean to do that. I never thought this would happen in my life. You know, I don't know how it can happen. I'm a child of God. I'm a worshiper. But Lord, I messed up in this area. You know, I know I did something against you. Well, and, and God always gave him grace because God could see his heart, that he was truly repentant. That's not something that he willfully wanted to do. There's a big difference. Amen? All right. And the, and the third thing that is mentioned in this passage is this. He led the people with a skillful hands. Skillful hands. That's the training part of it. I will be covering much about, uh, much about it uh, in, in the following slides. Okay? That means, you know, you have to work hard. Work hard. If God gave you a leadership position, you have to work hard. I know that many people go to churches, I mean... There's no word. There is no word in the church. It just, they just get by with the hoopla. You know? I mean, they just uh, raise emotions of the people and, and get people to get up and jump up and sit down, get up, say hallelujah three times and sit down. And then they will say, get up, turn around three times and sit down. And you, know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Amen. I'm not against any of this if someone does that you know, a more, a one moment under the direct inspiration of Holy Spirit, if something that happens, it's fine. But when it happens every Sunday, you know it's not Holy Spirit. <laughs> Leader cannot afford to stop growing. Every, every Sunday, every, every week you have to grow. Because the next Sunday, you have to have something fresh to give to the people. You must be able to say, what I have received from the Lord. And have given to you. That's what, that was the testimony of Apostle Paul. That must be our testimony also as leaders. Amen. And God said uh, that's one thing about David. You worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. We will see that in a, in a few minutes. Okay. All right. And the fourth thing that God said is this. He led them. In other words, he's not sitting in an ivory tower and just issuing commands. But he was always walking in the front. Remember, he, David only stopped going into battles when... Uh, later on when he became a middle-aged man his generals came to him and said no we want you to be around for a long time so please you know you don't have to come to battle with us anymore we'll do the battle you just stay in the palace yeah, until then he will always walk in the front and always identifying 
with the people. And you know, they, have you noticed that the best leaders are the people, leaders who identify with the people? Amen. Title doesn't make a person a, a, a leader. Amen. The leadership is something that you grow into. And when you identify with people, when people see that this is a man who is willing to be one among us, that's the best leader. And, and for such leader, people will be willing to lay down their lives. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's why we love our Lord Jesus so much, right? Because he had all the glory up in heaven. Oh, Philippians chapter 2, you know, tells us that he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And, uh, you know, giving up equality with God to create equality with me. Think about that. Giving up equality with God to create equality with me. That's what Jesus did. How can we not love him? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, let me move on. All right. And the second uh, uh, thing about David was this. David was a growing leader. And that's uh, where I want to uh, spend a few minutes. All right. Now, uh, I have a number of quotations here. And you, will, uh, you can follow along. Because this is a message on leadership. Uh, and uh, these are people I really love. Okay, Dr. Elmer Towns is a... Um, is a professor at, uh, uh, in Lynchburg, uh, Liberty University. And he has written a wonderful, lot of wonderful books. And, um, and, and, and he has written many articles on the life of uh, David, which I have read. And, and he always presents David as a perfect example of a growing leader. Right? There's something called the Peter Principle in, uh, in leadership, and which states like this. Employees within an organization will advance to their highest level of competence and then be promoted to and remain at a level at which they are incompetent. <laughs> In other words, you enter into an organization at an entry level, and people begin to see that you're capable, you're good, and they will promote you to the next level, and you do good. And there, and you get promoted to the third level, and you go, are going up the ladder, and then, because of all this history, you, they make, there will come a day in your life where they will promote you to a level for which you are not ready. <laughs> That's the principle. That's the Peter principle. And you get stuck at that position. And, and now you, you had a glorious career. You were coming up along beautifully. And then all of a sudden you came to the next level and you, you, you realize that, oh my God, I cannot function at this level. Until now I was doing fine. Because you go to the limit of your personality. And you know why? One reason why, why it happens is people stop growing, stop growing. So if you want to keep advancing, you have to keep growing. There's no way around it. You have to keep growing. Amen? That's why you know, companies invest money into continuous education and, and tell you to go back to school you know, and take these courses. And uh, if you want promotion, go take these courses. Why? Because if you don't grow to the next level, there's no point in promoting you to the next level. Now, this is a, a, another statement from another man who have written books on the life of David. Two rich sources to help us understand David's growth towards greatness. First is the historical account of his life. You know, in First King, First Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kings, and First Chronicles. Second source is the Psalms that were written by David himself. The, uh, the Psalms portray the emotional side of uh, David's life, and you can just read the statement. That I don't want to stay there. Okay, so you can look at the historical side, which is which was written by other people, and you can look at the Psalms which shows the emotional side of this leader, which was written by himself. And then you can come to a picture about what kind of a man 
this was. All right. We don't have a lot of time left, so I won't get uh, too, give, uh, too much time for it. But I'm just going to focus on the historical side today. Look at growth phases of uh, David as a leader. Okay. And we know that David, was, they, David came to the forefront on the day he killed Goliath. Right? And David was uh, only a teenager at that time. Now, the day, and God said, uh, you're going to be the next king in Israel, but the next day he didn't become the king. So, look at the phases through which he had to go before he became the king. The first phase was in 1 Samuel chapter 16, where he was serving in the palace. King Saul had an issue, um, uh, where a, 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 an evil spirit will come upon him, and uh, then they were looking for someone who is interested in worship. They were looking for a worship leader to come, and the only thing that quieted down the spirit of uh, King Saul in those days was someone worshiping God with an instrument. So they were looking for somebody, and uh, David was not considered even militarily at that point, just as a worship leader. First exposure was as a worship leader. And he was brought into the palace, and he would take the harp and play, and, uh, and the evil spirit would leave King Saul. That was the first phase. And then when we come to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse uh, 5, the second part of verse 5, that's why I said B there. The second part of verse 5, we can see that uh, for the first time, King Saul entrusted him with some military responsibilities. And he put him over his soldiers because he could see that uh, he has a military leadership gift. And, uh, and the Bible tells us that wherever he would send him, he would do things with exceeding wisdom. You can read these passages later. And then you can see there was an administration level where he was an administrator for King uh, Saul, under King Saul. Now, he's not a king. He's just an administrator taking care of little things, right? In 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 5, and the first part of verse 5, so David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. So just taking care of things for, uh, uh, for King Saul. A second lieutenant, he had 